bullshit, it's all just dumb gay politics. America's gotten kinda whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. I mean, are we gonna die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh uh. This shit is bananas. B A N A N A S. This shit is Trumpanas. T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dumb Gay Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we talk about the week in politics like we are talking about reality. And this week, uh, there's been news all in the news about how Trump wants to fire Robert Mueller, which surprised absolutely no one since Mueller's the head of the special counsel investigating the whole Russia thing. Well, the FBI is corrupt. Oh, they only care about are Democrats. And each day that passes, he's getting closer and closer to looking into Trump's finances. And that's mm. when the shit's really going to hit the fan because the money laundering and the tax evasion paper trail yep. is very real, just like the thirst is real. Yep. And it's all there and uh-huh. it's all there to be found. And so, of course, he wants to fucking fire him. No one's oh. surprised. It's not even news. No, no one is surprised. It's as, as surprising as when Piers Morgan asked him if he was a feminist and he said no. <laughs> what? Shocking! God, why do I hate Piers Morgan? Because he's Duh. a piece of shit. He is such that's his why. name should be Peace Morgan. Piece of shit Morgan. <laughs> yeah, because he's a he's like a he. I I I I want I want to like anyone British. Of course, first of all. it comes naturally to us. You want? I mean, you hear the voice, you think delight. You're already halfway there. Mm-hmm. He's like he's so cocky, and he's such like a. And he's so ugly. (laughs) I can't handle his cocky, ugly, fucking arrogant, just gross talking down to ass. Don't come over here talking about anything with arrogance about like politics, anything. Well, that's the other thing, too. It's like you're not even a are you a citizen? And if you aren't, (laughs) aren't you an illegal alien? And then you come here and then what? Now you're talking about like this president is good and Didn't blah blah did he take over like, for Larry here. King yes it was like that's blasphemy I'm sorry but I, uh, Larry King and his big old Frankenstein head and his big old huge fake teeth talk about immigrants taking our jobs <laughs> I'm just <laughs> they're like, taking out over a, all the talk he's shows he's an American institution with his false teeth and I don't need he sure is. Morgan coming in he sure is bugging on I'm taking surprised. over lollipop head I'm glad we haven't I mean I wonder if Larry King will have some hashtags me too's come out don't know why is he uh i don't know i don't know i'm just saying well who think who would have thought about uh charlie rose i'm just saying maybe oh (laughs) yeah larry king seems like he might answer the door in robes he doesn't he he does actually he does yeah but he might just be i mean he's the quintessential i had a kid at 90 or whatever oh yeah he got me literally literally (laughs) he had a kid like 80 he's like he's like 92 and has like an eight-year-old i mean he's such that now that's an asshole move i mean Um, okay well I, I don't want to keep rehashing my birthday. Okay. <laughs> I mean, but Why? I have to. Okay. Because I got another box of gifts. Mm-hmm. And it really was a delight. Yeah. Um, so I just want to quickly say <clears throat> that Ange, Angie Knox sent me a yes, box. Yes. Us. You get gifts. Well, I, I get gifts. That's get true. Gifts. That's true. That's true. So most importantly, for everyone to hear, we got some tissues. <laughs> 
we got some more <laughs> tissues because we were down back down to the toilet paper again. Oh, I mean, when I open a box and see it lined with big boxes of Kleenex, I'm just like, now that's a person who knows <laughs> yeah. who knows us. And since I'm going to stay here person. for Airbnb for a month, it's yeah. fucking on. It's like oh. t- it's tissue time up in here. Oh, it's going to be like. <sighs> <laughs> it's gonna be just tissue i can't make us if i tried to if i tried to mimic a sneeze i would actually stuff would come out yeah no and i'll throw up if i hear any kind of phlegmy situation i, I don't do. want i can't I'll i would gaggy. do um so we got the mm. tissues those were for us yeah i got a lovely oh. bunch oh we got a pillow of Which us I'm our holding. pictures yep there's so much tchotchke of us around this place yeah it's like the clubhouse in here <laughs> I know fucking Andy. Oh my God, that's a good call though. Yeah. Angie Knox has given us the clubhouse for real. ourselves. Now, for people also should know now, I should, you know what I'll do? You know what I'll do? You know what I'll do? Probably just for the Patreon <laughs> is I'm going to take pictures of the cr- crack den before and then I'll do an after, after it's painted and everything's been hung up. Because we're going to be doing our our projects in the in the drug it's the drug den i mean the drug den den. right i thought crack den i forgot my own uh, my own uh, situation um yes that the drug den because uh i'm gonna we're gonna re-zhuzh it up so okay so also um we uh i got lots of makeups really like gifts card to itunes i mean Anne spent a lot of money on me and it's really sweet i mean i really sweet more than anyone else and (laughs) that's okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right and she um she um and it was cute because she had asked me what you liked and you know yeah and i got do- i got doctor i felt really personal i got dr pepper lip smackers chapstick right. Right. and my favorite hairspray and mm-hmm. all sephora gift card and mm-hmm. i love i love ulta or sephora gift cards you know what i mean i love and <laughs> ching, live, ching. live. Right. that's it that's all i want to do is get all my products and I want them all to be free on someone else's dime <laughs> and I want to be able to peruse the websites and mm-hmm. get miles when I shop. So I got mm-hmm. all the wishes and dreams and then the coup de gras, if you will, mm. was from Ange and um, Jennifer, our other. Oh my God. Um, who's Indigo Oscar, but Jennifer's made us like tons of, I mean, she's made, she made, well, she made our cover of our yes, podcast. Yeah, yeah. The picture of right. Julie and I that looks like Obama, Obama's mm-hmm. Hope. Mm-hmm. She made that. She, I mean, over the years, she's made us so much. She's she's like such a good like friend to us in that way. And so on the Patreon, <laughs> we discussed, um, tell them how to join the Patreon. Man, if man. you want to join the Patreon, <laughs> go to patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics and find us and pledge a dollar. And you basically a dollar a month. So no, it's, it's four dollars. I mean, a dollar a week, four dollars a month. It, well, you don't. You can pay one dollar a month and just listen to one episode a month, but it's an hour long. Episode. Oh, right, right. You can cap. Right, right, right. And right. we um, talk about stuff. And on there, I talked about how I really wanted that we got given. Ange gave us a calendar, mm-hmm. and in the for, on my birthday month, it's Obama and I. Right. And I said, I wish you weren't even in the calendar, and I wish the whole calendar was me and Obama. <laughs> and then she made you that calendar. Yeah, her and Jennifer. And now shut up, and you can, and we can go ahead and throw out that other calendar. <laughs> <laughs> no. Just that's kidding. our calendar. Well, this is the clubhouse, so we need... Um, this one's... I'm going to go ahead and take on um, <laughs> The first picture is Obama and I at our wedding. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Look at that. I mean, Julie, when I opened it up, when I tell you the belly laugh that, that was occurred, really funny. Like... Really funny. On the cover alone, it's like a picture that is normally with James from... Van- it's Hilarious. James from Vanderpump. Yep, or yep. no, it's you and James is here and I'm like holding your chin. Anyway, it's so great. The whole entire thing is me and Obama. It's I mean, like, it looks so it's- real. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, it's like literally your love story. You're, yeah. You and Obama's like 
It's like us on a bike. It's like your slideshow at your actual, like the slideshow yeah. they show at your <laughs> wedding, where it's like the beautiful love story of you two, and there it is. It's us in a motorcycle <laughs> with, but the best one I feel is this one. Like it's, there's really no way to even describe it. Oh God! It. I mean, it just looks so good. Yeah, it looks so good. I love it. Yeah, it's genius. It's it great. is beyond genius. And I mean, with all due to Michelle, because I mean, I I love their love. I don't care. I just need... It's supposed to be our friendship calendar. Sorry it turned into a romantic one. Right. I'm not mad. And Julie got me a beautiful present um, that her whole family was involved in. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that on the Patreon. And it even just hearing about it, um, her mom and dad were both involved. Mm-hmm. And just give a little taste so they can see. They want to join the Patreon so they can hear you do your mom and dad. <laughs> Uh, well, how much of a taste do I, I give? Well, you, you said, know, I just want you to say what your mom said. Like. Oh, well, she's, she, my mom, uh, you know, uh, did point out and she did again several times say, now when you get it framed, uh, did you make sure that there's the top cut off? Cause I, <laughs> I told him, I said, it looks beautiful. It was a wonderful job, but you know, you painted all the way to the top. There's no room. There's no room for a frame. <laughs> and then he also was like, I, you know, I painted it all the way to the top. I don't know if there's room for a frame. So, you know, and I was like, no, we, I figured it out. I did it. I did it. I did it. So they were worried. And they kept they were talking about it, right? They did keep talking about it. But, um, you know, it was his... He's just been painting, back painting for a short amount of time. And then he did this painting and it looks incredible. It's so cool. And it was something I wanted. We'll talk about it more on the Patreon. Okay. But um, that's why you guys want to join. So you can hear little little ditties like that. And I love knowing everyone here rolling their eyes being like, when will they stop hawking it? Never. The answer to that is hashtag never. Okay. <clears throat> How we're surviving. So exactly. get into it. Um, let's get to Eye of the Shitstorm. Mm. You take some shit, put it up on the wall, check it out for a while. You take that shit up off of the wall, put it down on the floor in a glass bowl. You take some fuck, put it up on the wall where the shit used to be. There's always a political shitstorm brewing in the divided states of America. Trump. But 2018 is the year 20, of... Excuse me. Oh, 20, sorry. 20. But 2018 <laughs> is the year of hashtag... Time's up. <laughs> time is up. And reclaiming, reclaiming my time. time. <laughs> reclaiming my time's up. <laughs> reclaiming my time's up. Uh, and time is motherfucking up for one of the biggest pieces of shit ever born. Former USA gymnastics doctor and a doctor for the athletes at Michigan State, Larry Nasser. Is that how you say it? Nassar or Nasser? I think it's Nasser. Okay. Nasser? Like Dr. Nasser. Like, um, what's his name? You know, Tara and... Uh, oh, oh, Tara Dubrow? Tara Dubrow and... Uh, Paul Nasser. Paul Nasser. Got it, got it, got yeah. it, got it. All right, so last week, Nasser was sentenced to life without parole for 175 years for 10 counts of first-degree criminal sexual misconduct, including mm. being in possession of 37,000 images and videos of child pornography. Oof. I... That's where you really, I really like... can't, I can't. Like, I'll, I, that's, I go into a thing of, like, Kidnap children who are being yeah, well, like, I, I just, I can't. I, 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 uh, his abuse went on for decades and decades unchecked and includes more than 200 young girls and counting. I mean, it's the, they said it's like the um, worst or biggest yeah. sexual molestation case that's ever been in the history of the United States. I mean, like in sports history in, or in sports and in history, I think probably of the criminal instance, criminal. And, you like, know, and like, you know, there's so many more out there. Well, exactly. If there's one. Oh, of course. As we know on. about me, too. 
Come on. Where there's one, there's and, seven million. And that's what's going to happen. Because it's 2018 and reclaiming <laughs> our times up. <laughs> reclaiming, reclaiming our times up. Reclaiming our times up. Many people affiliated with USA Gymnastics and Michigan State so and Michigan State Athletics have already resigned, but there are many, 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 many more who ignored and enabled the problem with Nasser. And hopefully they're warming up their old Dell laptops and getting their word subscription in order because time is motherfucking up and we're all eagerly waiting on those resignation yeah. letters. All right. So it's definitely um, the largest sex abuse scandal in sports history and probably even his history so far. A lot of people responsible, like you said, have already resigned. There's um, so we got just let's we're going to do a quick rundown, see what's doing. OK, um, the he- then head gymnastics coach, Kathy Clages, who reportedly learned of the abuse in 97. I mean, one victim recalls Clages telling her that she was misunderstanding what was going on with Nasser's abuse. That bitch retired in February. <laughs> and you know what she should do? She should kill herself. kill herself. She should kill herself. Sorry, Kath. You need to go. Yeah. And you need get in your car. Drive over to a place with a lot of mud. Yes. Get your car buried in the mud. Get the exhaust tank buried yes. in the mud or the snow. And go to sleep. Then turn your car on and say, good night, Wig, because right. you're done and you're yes. done, Cupcake. For anyone that w- is wondering and doesn't know, and we don't know all of the um, the ins and outs, so to speak, but one of the things, the one of the major things that he did that all, every single one of these girls complained of is that basically he'd finger them. Yeah. Um, while giving them like a of an exam, of course, and he would tell them that this that this was helping them, that was healing them, that it was relaxing them, and so these girls would tell like they told the coach like he stuck his finger inside me like what that's not I don't know you know he did it to a six year old by the way <sighs> six year old I mean I mean I'm not differentiating but I'm sorry but a difference between fifteen year old no, and six year old like, I, I want to yes I think there is claw his there eyes is out. unfortunately I think a little bit I mean it's just like claw his eyes out like. And if he has child pornography, like what? You can only imagine. And 37,000 images, like you can only imagine. Because you know in that shit that they've got babies in there. I know, I know. Okay, okay, And he probably filmed these. I kept thinking how many times have I thought, where are the films of these girls? Yeah. Where did he hide the camera in there? Yep. Okay, so Mark Hollis, athletic director, who said he never met Nasser and didn't know about any abuse. He resigned last week. Mark, kill Kill yourself. yourself. President Lu- Luana Simon, who said she was informed of the police report and Title IX investigation into one of the school's doctors in 2014, but had no idea who it was. Okay, Lou, kill yourself. Yeah, she resigned last week. Dr. William Strample, former dean of the College of Osteopathic, is that how you say that? Mm. Osteopathic Medicine and Nasser's former boss at Michigan State. Michigan State needs to be burned to the ground, but they don't burned care. Burned to the ground. They don't care. Burned to the ground. He allowed Nasser to return to his work with athletes in 2014 while there was an open criminal investigation against him. Stepped down last month for medical reasons entitled, I'm going to kill myself now. <laughs> I know. I hope those medical reasons <laughs> are, I'm killing myself. Yeah. I mean... Track and field assistant, Coach... Ke- I mean, how many people? Wait, wait track, there's track, so many. Still track on? and field assistant, Coach Kelly Burt, who reportedly told about the abuse in 99, was only at the school for one year. MSU clinical psychologist, Dr. Carrie, Gary Stolock, who was reportedly told about the abuse by Kyle Stevens in the mid-2000s, said he doesn't remember any details and retired in 2010. Kyle Stevens also, though the people aren't named, told a bunch of people in Child Protective Services, not one of them did anything. And they're not named in the in the thing, <sighs> But they need to be named. All the people need yes, to be named. Yes, they do need do. to be named. Yeah. I mean, Child Protective Services. How? Oh, how is oh. what? I don't even understand. Like, why? 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 Just why? Oh, why? Okay. Why? So 
MSU medical manipulation specialist Dr. Brooke Lemon, who Strample accused of knowing about USA Gymnastics investigation of Nasser in 2015, resigned in 2017 only after being threatened with termination. Wow. So there's these people haven't resigned. Um, the, the then softball trainer, Leanna Haddon, told about Nasser's abuse on two separate occasions by two different women, once in 2000 and once in 2002. That's almost 20 years ago. She is now an MSU athletic trainer working with a volleyball team. You're done, Cupcake. I don't even understand the audacity. That's why Michigan State needs to be burned to the ground. These are all MSU employees who have not gone. MSU gymnastics trainer Destiny Treckner hauck allegedly told about the abuse in 2000, accused of telling a victim that filing a report would cast a burden over her family, still in charge of women's gymnastics. Wow. wow. Lisa DeStefano, former MSU medical manipulation specialist. She's a faculty department chair, and still, Jennifer Gilmore, former MSU, same. Uh, she's wanna, now an assistant professor. The fact, for I mean, I, if for any across the board, anyone who you know is told and is, she needs to go kill themselves, but the fact that these are women... I have to say, I'm doubly disappointed by. You're supposed to be. These are girls. You're women. You're mothers. You're you're you know better. You know you know. And you're here protecting a child rapist. Awful. You're the worst. You're worse than he is, in my opinion. You you're 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 terrible. You're the worst. You're awful. The whole entire board, literally, of USA Gymnastics resigned. Even people who came on after the uh, after the abuse, it's like whoever hired you, we hate. So you're done. They have no legs to stand on. The U.S. Olympic Committee, which takes credit for um, everything that's being brought to light, but they were completely enabling him. None of them have resigned. This whole list, mm. there's like a whole list of like 15 well, people. How many people? Scott Blackman, Larry Probst, Anita Lel de Franz, Angelo <laughs> Ruggiero, Robert Bach, James Benson, Sherry Bluewet. Daniel it's <laughs> a horrible name Daniel Doctoroff Nina Kempel Suzanne Lyons Bill Marolt Steve Messler Dave Ogrian Whitney Ping Kevin White Robert L. Wood all go kill yourselves they haven't even resigned like you all let this happen then John Getter he's the owner of Twice Stars which is like the most main that gym called Twice Stars, him and his wife completely knew about Nasser they're the original people that hired him I mean that guy I read his whole history yeah he volunteered to like be like um, involved in the gymnastics at his high school. Do you think that John that Gedart is also hiding like a child porn thing? And I mean, do like some of these people, do you think that he's been accused of abusing and mistreating gymnasts? I mean, he's oh. disgusting. Him and his wife did nothing. Bella Caroli, to- straight up Bella Caroli and his wife have a ranch in Texas, mm. which was huge. Like the FBI went out there. Um, USA Gymnastics no longer sends gymnasts there and the Crowleys are being sued by a former g- gymnast wow. who was accused by abused by Nasser at the ranch law enforcement let's just say this cops law enforcement people yes. who fucking did nothing um, in 2004 one of Nasser's victims Brianna Randall told four investigators with the Meridian Township Police that she was abused by Nasser Dave Hall who was the acting police chief at the time has admitted that police declined to bring Randall's accusations to the prosecutor how is that even legal exactly why how, how can you decline to bring an accusation to a prosecutor I don't even understand that at this point I feel like parents who were told who didn't say anything like there's parents who were told by their kids who then would call like different gyms, not just about Nasser, about other, there's right. tons of, of pedophiles and molesters all in this whole thing. All these different little One, gyms. I mean, it 100% in this, it, the name, I don't know who they are, but within the names that we've said, there's at least, I would, I would argue there's at least 
10 yeah, molesters in agreed. there. And even, and that's just, if we go into ballet, if we go into ice skating, any oh. little, you know, any sport. And the, and, the, right. and the boys too are probably being abused. But, yep. um, okay, so just really just quick with law enforcement. In 2014, there was a different police report filed with Michigan State Police about Nassar sexual abuse during medical treatment. The case was referred to the Ingham County Prosecutor's Office. The prosecutor, Stuart Dunnings, who resigned in March of 2016 after he was caught hiring prostitutes, declined to press charges. Thanks, Stuart. Um, MSU Detective Kelly Johnson, we don't know if that's a man or a woman, told Nassar in December 2015 that the prosecutor wasn't pressing charges, but reminded him to have a chaperone in the room with him to explain his procedures. Well, that worked out. So happy the law enforcement is there to give me tickets when... (laughs) I know shit. When apparently there's some kind of um, covering up or, or enabling of hundreds of people to molest little girls and i don't know i mean i don't really the only reason that i I can't think of any other reason i really can't because there's no reason it's not going to be race it's not going to be you know what i mean there's not going to be any discrimination like like that it's got to be some kind of corruption at the top levels of 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 the of whatever the olympic that board is where they're Something they're doing with money or something shady that he mm. knew about that they couldn't get him out of there is oh. because I don't really think that there could be a like a systemic like agreement to be like, yeah, let's let him keep not every single person, not every single person. But I would argue I would have to assume that I'm saying this many people ignored and enabled it because they were hiding something. Right. And whatever it was, it didn't have to be that <clears throat> they were sexually abusing or, or whatever, but they're fucking hiding something. And it's obviously a corrupt group of people. Oh, my God. I mean, that's insane. It's insane. It's crazy. So senators from both parties. This is where I go crazy, too. So senators from both parties right now are calling for the creation of a select committee to investigate the U.S. Olympic Committee and USA Gymnastics following the sentencing of Nasser. So obviously, like. Make all the special committees you want. Investigate all the things you want. But I don't understand why this is all of a sudden a big issue. I mean, I know why it's a big issue because of this many people. But why are you ignoring what's happening in Scientology? Who harbors right. nothing but sexual abusers? Right. What about Mormons? That's right. nothing but pedophiles married to 15-year-old yep. girls, 10-year-old girls it, constantly. <sighs> what about the, the Catholic Church and all that abuse that went on? And all of those are tax-exempt organizations that... Definitely should be investigated because they're not paying taxes. Right. So that gives the government the right to go investigate all of them. And if nothing else, they should lose their tax exempt status. If nothing else. Yeah, no, I agree. Orthodox Jews, same thing. Same thing. And I don't know why. I don't know. Because anything that has to do with religion, the government, of course, is, oh, we don't want to bet. That's, you know, that's their belief system and blah, blah, blah. Well, then but they, just, like, but they shouldn't be, you know, the way that around that thing is then you can go ahead and pay taxes. You're going to lose whatever privileges you have if you're breaking our laws. Well, of course. You're in this... You can't have your own laws because you have a religion. And now you want to go and be like, we're going to check out... We can't have our Olympic team. And that too. You care about the fucking... Fuck the fucking Olympics. Just just ban the whole thing. I don't even care about it. I can't remember which gymnast was like... um, gave, Gave an interview and was like, we just can't let... 
I guess we can't have any men alone with any of these girls. <laughs> I thought it was me that said that to you. Just in well, private. you told me that in general oh, about okay. all men with all kids. I was just but, like, what about at school? I was just like, yeah, I mean. But this gymnast <coughs> did leave, was giving an interview on television and said, I just thought, that is so pathetic. And we have to go. I don't understand it. But time's up. Time's up. Reclaiming my time. That's right. Time's up. So just, now yeah, it's I time for us to talk to a special visitor <laughs> oh. in the ladies room. This. Now this. Get strap off. Strap <laughs> it on and buckle up. All right, now it's time for our new segment called The Ladies Room. Today we have a special guest joining us in the ladies room. She's so special, in fact, that if the ladies room had a president, a queen, a CEO, or an inventor, she would be it. We've admired her from afar for a very long time. Our 14 listeners might remember when we had on Megan Murphy, who Mm -hmm. took us to Feminist Skew last Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. Well, we actually discovered Megan Murphy through stalking our guests' (laughs) Twitter feed. That's true. (laughs) We first saw her on uh, on a YouTube video debating Molly Yamanapolis, and she blew our damn minds. Not only did she own him in that clip, but she owned every naysayer and every hater in every clip that we've ever seen since. (laughs) She refuses to be shamed for being a proud feminist, and her fearlessness has been a serious source of inspiration for me this last year. And... Actually, you guys are so much alike on so many levels that I sometimes think you're her brother from another mother. Just maybe her less successful, less prolific, less educated brother, perhaps. Oh, (laughs) so true. Because unlike me, who's doing a podcast for 14 listeners, she's the author of over 30 book chapters and four books. She's the co-founder of the law reform group Justice for Women, which since 1991 has championed women who have been prosecuted for killing their abusive male partners. She's also an investigative journalist, speaker, and researcher whose work has been focused predominantly on violence against women, targeting prostitution, pornography, stalking, religious fundamentalism, and human trafficking. If I had any feelings or any money, sex trafficking would be the issue that I would give my heart and soul to. Lucky for me, our guest today is working on a crowdfunding campaign to make a limited podcast series where she will expose a 20-year-long human trafficker Mm -hmm. asshole named John Davies. (laughs) So with very little effort and very little money, I can help her make a huge contribution in raising awareness about this terrible issue. She's a savage. She is fearless. And she works tirelessly on the behalf of women. We couldn't be more thrilled and honored that she's agreed to talk to us. So without further fucking ado, please welcome the incredible, the heroic, the fucking phenomenal Julie Bindle. Hi, Hi, Julie. Julie. Hello. Lovely to meet you both. Oh, my God. It's so great to meet you over the voice. Yeah, it is. Really an honor. We we really do. Everything we said is true. We really have been admiring you from afar. That's true. Mind, you didn't mention that I'm also a really good cook. Oh. And I'm a best coffee. You're, oh, are you like a, a home chef? Like, what's your specialty? <laughs> Not not quite, but I'm a little bit like a kind of mix between a lesbian Avenger and a Doris Day from Calamity Jane. (laughs) So like you're like a a fighter and an activist, but also like a housewife, like a a good, a good, a good lesbian at home. Yeah, the kind of housewife thing is pushing it slightly. (laughs) We enjoy a British chef. Um, Okay. Um, it, now, in in America, in the United yes. States of America, we're experiencing a cultural moment with Me Too and Time's Up and the hashtags and all this. We were wondering if this is happening in Europe as well and what your thoughts just on the whole thing are. 
it really is also happening in Europe. And what's brilliant is that although at first it looked as if it might be a kind of kickback from very white privileged Hollywood actors, female actors, it was clear that it was a watershed moment. And the reason why the you know, Hollywood actors had spoken out against Weinstein and other scumbags was because there was already a turning tide. There was already a recognition that violence against women, her sexual harassment and abuse of women and girls was pandemic and that had been ignored and it had been overlooked and it and and women had been gaslighted everywhere and that this was something that had been bubbling under the surface since the very first round of of me too back in the 1960s which was called consciousness raising mm. now i'm 55 i didn't get involved in feminism till the very end of 1979 so i more or less missed that first wave but it came for middle class educated women it came as a result of reading marilyn french and and then you know of course kate millett and and other feminists theorists or novelists and it was also because feminist that the movement was beginning uh to to become active and the miss world uh, competition was was uh, flower bombed and women were saying enough enough and what i came into the end of the women's movement uh, uh, and and saw was the very last consciousness raising groups where you would get together often you know i'm from a very working class background so often very working class women of uh, uh, various uh, cultural backgrounds and and class backgrounds and would sit there and talk about the sexual violence and abuse and alienation that we had suffered growing up as girls mm. um, or, or living as adult women in heterosexual relationships or the violence that we encountered when coming out as lesbians. And that was a pivotal moment in the women's liberation movement because what we did was we formed a collective consciousness that said, I wasn't raped by my stepfather as a child because he was a pervert. I was raped by him because of male supremacy, women's oppression and patriarchy. And this is something that's happening. It's very similar to white supremacy and it is a structural power basis and this is not innate and it's not natural and we will resist. And what's happening now is the social media version of that. And I think that we'll go back on the streets and I think that the placards and the loud hailers will come back out. Mm, yeah. Well, that's funny that you say that about, you know, the we weren't raped by our stepfathers because it's unnatural, blah, blah, blah. I was going to, this was going to come later, but I'm going to skip ahead to yeah. th- that. What's his name? What's his name? Andrew. Andrew Sullivan. And Do you know the writer, Andrew Sullivan, the journalist? I do. I do. Okay. So he wrote, or he, he had just put out an article that basically was sort of going, doing a backlash on the Me Too whole thing. And, you know, and he was using, I'm a gay man and this, that, and the other thing. And then sort of saying, and he, there was a quote where basically he said, you know, we know that it's a pain for women and it's annoying, but this is our nature. And there's a part of male, you know, aggressiveness and sexuality that you need to just deal with. And I thought, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> a. Yeah. And I then thought of you. I really did. We, and we both thought of you and thought, what would, what would Julie say? I'm going to make bracelets. WW, they already exist. In fact. I uh, mean, <laughs> please. I mean, you, I, you mu- I, you, I mean, I know that you have an opinion about this. Oh, I do. And what's really interesting is that the reason why I know Andrew is three or four years ago, I was writing a book uh, called Straight Expectations about... Best title. Best title of any book ever. 
the, the disgraceful state of the now apolitical lesbian and gay movement, or rather LGBTQQI, what the fuck. <laughs> yeah. One of the chapters was about how marriage sucks and we really should <laughs> abolish all marriage and give legal rights to people who need to kind of, you know, see, see them through their last minutes on their deathbed and... You know that that kind of thing, but that marriage is terrible and that we shouldn't be embracing it. And uh, <laughs> somebody said to me, "Speak to Andrew Sullivan because he's a conservative gay man, and right. he'll have a perspective on this, and he'll be against it too." And so we had a conversation. And isn't it funny that the basis of my book was, "We are not born this way. There is nothing innate about our sexuality. There is nothing innate about rapists' mentality." And he agreed with me. Mm. He said that was right. It can be a choice that we can embrace. I mean, obviously for women, it's a privilege and it's a it's a choice that affords us a, a far better life despite the anti-lesbian bigotry we face. And for gay men, they lose a lot of privilege. But even then, he agreed with me that this is not innate or biologically driven. So why is he saying now that vile scumbag behavior from men <laughs> <laughs> is something that they have no control over. Right. Exactly the same way that Johns, who buy and abuse women in prostitution, would argue. And this is male privilege of the highest order. But the thing about his kicking back against Me Too, I think is something cultural that many people on the left who are progressive, who are lesbian or gay, have refused to accept, which is that many gay men eroticize and romanticize the abuse that they experienced as children, the abuse that they then inflict upon younger, less powerful gay men during their kind of leisure activities on the gay scene, and that they have to somehow find an excuse for themselves as the big queer warriors. And their time is up too, because we're including gay men in this. Yes, that's right. Yeah, no, I think we were, we were just talking about how you know the that there's a that that the the meat there's me too's for gay men and that gay men also inflict it because they're men at the end of the day i always you know would argue that men across the board whether they're gay or straight are you know have whatever that is in them that some some it, of them yeah some some not all and obviously worst, not all straight the, men either, the worst but, part of that article i thought was that he said it didn't it didn't happen in in for gay men that they didn't right dominate other men or right. or weren't sexist towards other gay guys or right. whatever i guess that's not the right word but bullshit. i was like that's bullshit right it's a complete and utter bullshit He's such a loser. Is he just a contrarian? <laughs> it's like he wanted to agree with you back then because it was like a counterculture statement and now he's got to be counterculture again. He's just a fucking asshole. I like hate his guts. <laughs> I hate him more than Milo Yana Banana. Yeah, he's, he's a right-wing libertarian just like, like Milo. And, you know, these men are just seeped in privilege and they eroticize powerlessness and they just love the kind of sadomasochistic Foucauldian... Uh, culture and, and and sexual culture that they're steeped in but the thing that unites these men is privilege is real real privilege i mean there are homeless young gay men that have been kicked out of their families um you know because of bigotry and prejudice who end up being prostituted on the streets who end up being addicted to crack cocaine and alcohol and for whom no one looks out we are letting down our youth we are letting down young gay men and young lesbians by allowing assholes like <laughs> Sullivan 
and and Yiannopoulos to speak for them because these men are just they they are almost sociopathic in their lack of care and concern for anyone yeah. struggling in life. It definitely seems more insulting when a when a someone like Andrew Sullivan or Milo or whatever uses their gayness. This really bugs me when in when a a, ma- a gay man will use his gayness in order to validate his sexism. Like you know, somehow because I'm a gay man, I understand women or because I'm a gay man, I'm allowed to do this to women. And it's like, who the fuck asked you? And who are you? <laughs> like, I don't care if you're gay or not. Like you are to me in my I mean, it seems to me are miss, you know, you're still acting like a, a man with like you say, like with privilege and overstepping his power. Sure. And I don't understand why people do not get it when we say that this is about male power and why does it give gay men a get out of jail card because they have sex with men i don't understand i mean it shores up their power like nothing on earth to actually be in this special boys club and there are some men and i'm sorry for the women in relationships with them but that are tamed by heterosexuality by women and this is just within the the private sphere this makes no difference to the structure of patriarchy and women's oppression but in individual relationships some men become quite decent men when they are trained and tamed by <laughs> well we are yeah I, I i agree with you and i do think that for the most part um you know we always say or i always say you know men slash gay men men are men are men are men and me, straight men are men that are um have boundaries and directions from women and are given structure. And, you know, when you're with somebody who says no and, you know, you have to deal with that and manage that, that is compromise and you learn how to deal with and care for another person. And I think not that gay men don't care about people. It gets dicey because people, I think the thing is, it's like we talk about it and I'm sure you experience this because we're talking about men and as if, you know, every single one falls into the category. So then, People don't like to talk about it because they're afraid that they're hurting their men or, right. yeah. you know what I mean? Or, you know, the men I love and my dad and my brother and I've never, they wouldn't hurt a fly and they love me and support me. And so it becomes this conversation that becomes impossible to have because we're, but it's like, but we can't, we have to have the conversation. And that's, I think maybe this hard, this part that we're going to go through now, maybe is like, how do we talk about it? That's why what they asked Trump the other day, are you a feminist? He was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> My God! I mean, please. <laughs> what the thing about feminism is that we can clearly say what feminism is not, and it's not Trump. No, it is not. I'm sure many men, I think, you know, who are good, decent men, would also shy away from saying they're feminists. It's like sort of the similar thing, where it's like, can a man be a feminist? And that's a question too. Can a man be a feminist? No, but he can be a feminist. <laughs> and you know, I. I think that the the concern that I have now with some third, fourth, fifth wave feminists, because I think this is an ideological difference, not an age difference. So many younger women uh, are radical now and some older women are extremely liberal and even neoliberal. But the reason why I'd say men can't is because you have to, for any social political movement that's radical, you have to fight to end your own oppression and recognize that you are part of a, in this case, sex class. So I'm not just fighting for my own liberation, 
from, for example, a domestic violence relationship and to become the chief executive of a, a, a huge company and break the glass ceiling. That isn't what feminism is about. It's about a collective movement where you care a damn sight more about the women in the basement than you do about the women at the glass ceiling. And until all are liberated, none of us are liberated. So so when men say, I'm a feminist, what are they fighting for? Because they're not fighting to end their own privilege and power. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. They're fighting to be the superhero who gets cookies for being the one that stands there and says loudly and more eloquently than women ever could um, about how rape is bad and about how men shouldn't beat women. So if they want to be supportive, they can be male allies, they can talk to other men, educate other men, they can raise the consciousness of other men about violence against women and their own shitty behaviour. And then they can say to us, what can we do to assist? Can we organise some childcare so you can go to your conference? Can we catering you know can we just not be shitheads and stop <laughs> raping example exactly. now they should put out their own publications their own podcasts that talk about male behavior and what it means and why it's wrong and why it should stop mm-hmm. and they should be honest with us and say that when feminism achieves its goal to end patriarchy and when we are truly liberated from male oppression it will hurt men for a while like it hurt the white south africans mm-hmm. when they to give up their excess power and live, well, technically, equally. It hurt for a while. But the good ones celebrated it because they recognised it was right, it was proper, and in the long term it would be good even for them. Speaking of um, women being permissive of men behaving badly, what um, are your thoughts on Hillary Clinton? Well, you know, I have such mixed feelings about her. I mean, I think the Clintons are terrible uh, in general. I think that Trump is Trump represents the worst thing about the United States of America, and Clinton represents the worst thing about Washington in a way. Oh, but that's good. Ask, you know, ask me who I would rather have now in office, please. Is there even a question? <laughs> yeah. Which, why would you want a racist, racist, misogynist, sex abuser in office? rather than a woman who is, yes, a bit of a warmonger. She covered up and supported her husband for political expediency when he abused and assaulted women. Yes, there are things about Clinton that I cannot abide, but I absolutely 100% supported her in her quest for office and would do so again. I mean, I'm sorry that she's not perfect. I'm sorry that she's that there are huge problems um, about her and linked to her and all the rest of it. But... Was the campaign against her driven by misogyny? Absolutely it was, by the right and the left. Yes. The accusations about her are absolutely right. Why end up with some man who is the worst possible example of a human being because she isn't perfect and because of her husband's misdemeanors in the moment? It's outrageous. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who who would you? Is there a woman that you? Who would you have if you could have anyone? Is there people that you look up to or admire, or like, like women that you think are are doing it right? Like, do you like Elizabeth Warren or? It, you know, it's difficult to say because you know my head isn't very much in in U.S. politics. I mean, partly because it's not you know 
politics with a big P isn't particularly my thing. I'm very, very clearly of the left. You know, I would say we need we need a Democrat who's more to the left and we need someone to give universal health care and recognize the endemic power structure imbalance within the United States, just as we do here. But, you know, nobody really impressed me. I remember I was in San Francisco the night of the the election and uh, I was watching Jill Stein argue with an African-American woman and Jill Stein was being her usual arrogant self. <laughs> the the African-American woman, and I'd never, it was literally a clip on TV. I didn't know who she was. I didn't catch the caption. But she was saying, are you kidding me? You would say that Trump would be better than than Clinton. And the arrogance of Jill Stein just made me realize that those those kind of, they think that they're on the hard left. They think that they're so radical. The Green Party, you know, there's a, a, a huge problem with the Green Party all over the world because they're just so middle-class privileged. They're so pro-sex trade. They're so, they're just, they're just so idiotic. I mean, if they had any fewer brain cells in their head, you'd have to water them twice a day. <laughs> so I just, I know the ones I don't want in. I know that the the brokerists, as as we call the the male uh, hard left here, you know, loved Bernie Sanders. I, I I get I get all of that 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 they were railing against the neoliberalism of Clinton, but I couldn't tell you who I would want in office because I have such a downer on party politics at the moment yeah. in my own country that it just isn't something that excites me as as some kind of utopian vision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. It's, yeah, that not, makes it's sense. Impossible it too. is impossible. There's not, I mean, there's not, there's the, the ray of light is. I wanted to ask you about, um, <sighs> the students in America yeah. and you've been, you've done like a bunch of college tours. You've been all across America and I'm assuming you, you do them in Europe too. Our student culture here is very fragile at best. <laughs> um, have you noticed a change in that in any direction? Has it gotten, have they gotten stronger or are they just as sensitive still? And is it the same in Europe? Well, it's different in the States in a way because you've always run your universities like a commercial business. And in, in one sense, you know, that you've, almost got 100% highly privileged students there. We used to have, and when I went to university as a mature student, going in through the kind of what we call an access course route, because I didn't do well at school at all. I dropped out. I went to a very bad school. And by the time I went in my late 20s, um, which was in the in the 90s, as, as a early 90s as a mature student, there were many um, people of colour, working class people, underprivileged people at universities. And now in my country, we've gone back to almost the time when you had to be born with a silver spoon in your mouth to go to university and get a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've seen in the States is that it seems to be you can't rely on radical politics on campus anymore. You're talking about the kind of apolitical identity politics versus the horrible Milo Yiannopoulos right-wing neoliberalism. And it looks like there's no real solid movement for change. So when, for example, when I was in Michigan um, debating Milo, which incidentally I only agreed to do to really piss off the people who were no platforming us back in the UK. And, <laughs> because they were paying for my fare and I needed to do some interviews for my book. 
um, in, in Michigan. And, and they were I, busy letting children get raped anyway in that's Michigan, right. so that's fine. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so I was, I was, you know, there at the university, recognizing that there was barely any politics. That Milo had a huge fan club. That he was like a rock star, a right wing rock star. And then at the end of our debate, there was a cue to 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 meet Milo and a cue to meet me. Now. The hall was absolutely packed and Milo had hundreds queuing to meet him. And I had probably about a hundred. And I was just so thrilled that that hundred wanted to talk to me <laughs> about feminism. There was loads and loads of young women, loads of them, just saying, we came to hear you because we wanted to hear feminism on campus. And it was absolutely thrilling. And I didn't care that he had his rock star, you know, dickhead men. <laughs> and so- you know, wearing wearing um, you know Trump T-shirts and the like. Ew. Wow. We went, went out afterwards. They said, "Let's take you for dinner," and I kind of went along like some zombie, um, you know, jet oh. lagged. And I went to this restaurant with them and sat down and ordered a really stiff drink and looked around me and saw them all in Trump T-shirts and saw the women were arguing with me that what would end sexual violence would be for women to be able to carry guns, and and I thought kill me now and then I <laughs> and before they ordered their dinner I just stood up and I said do excuse me everyone but I'm unable to join you for dinner I said, being being a middle-aged lesbian I've got to go back to the hotel and Skype my cats before bed <laughs> my cats <laughs> and they probably took that as the truth like I don't know man she had to leave to Skype her cats that's what those lesbians do you know man I know where's your gun it's right here keep sucking my dick <laughs> but, you know, in my country, there are, you know, I, I do go and talk to a lot of students, and 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 I I find it a complete privilege. And now my my friends, many of them have have uh, kids that that have just started university, and they talk to me all the time about. And these are the the girls, the the young women and and the young men, talk to me about how feminism is almost blocked by these anti-feminist dude bros who are talking about, you know, identity. And, hey, today I identify as a teak cabinet. Well, uh, and, you know, today I identify as a screen. And how dare you oppress me? So, so they, they really wanted to reclaim radical politics. And they, they need us. They need feminists who can actually mentor them and support them because they're the ones in hell at the moment. I mean, I don't... I, yeah, I mean, I could... T- Get I, I could get into gender identity politics all day long, but because I know and I've experienced that too, performing at colleges, I got hissed at and the thing with the pronouns, the thing and the identities. Yeah. But what, like, when it, I get, what do we? Do? I mean, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Like, we're and especially as lesbians or gay identifying women or whatever. It's yeah. when you talk about. And I've certainly heard you talk about the gender, you know, it's a construct and this and it it's, it keeps us d- oppressed and stuff. It's like, where do we, where do you find the balance of, like, I'm, you know, I'm a masculine, butch identified <laughs> woman, um, but, you know, on the masculine side, but I do identify as a woman. I feel like I'm born a woman. And, <laughs> but then it's sort of like we're living in this time and in this place where, you say that it's like yes, I'm a feminist, but then people are have a million identities, and but they want to be feminist too. But then they block your feminism, and it's it's this constant like jumble of casserole of not knowing where you stand ever. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, it is, but we've got to stand firm because it, there's nothing wrong with identity politics when it actually feeds into politics. Today, it's identity politics without the politics, <laughs> with no at all. So if you are in the women's liberation movement, for example, as one social justice movement, and you say, okay, listen to me because I'm a black woman and I also have a profound disability um, and I'm also a woman and I'm a feminist. And then she goes on to discuss something relevant about the intersectional oppressions that she mm. has to endure mm. fight against. I want to hear that and I want us all to understand it and see it as a political discussion. What I don't want is some dude telling me that because he wears pink eyeshadow and occasionally... Um, feels female that he can tell us to shut the fuck up because he identifies today as a woman and if if there's a lesbian who's saying to me i'm on the masculine side my identity is that i'm more butch than this well that is a personal description of how you live your life and the issues that you might face for example walking down the street being a very visible lesbian mm -hmm. and that that to me is just not the same as all these idiot identitarians who <laughs> You know, they're straight, for example, they're straight women. They've never been kicked around for being a lesbian. They've never had to face the discrimination that we have. And all of a sudden, on coming out day, they're on Twitter saying, hey, everyone, I identify, I'm coming out as genderqueer. Well, what does that mean? It means nothing. It means that they are straight women with all the privilege that that brings, and, of course, the oppression, but all the privilege that that brings, and they somehow end up on a list to celebrate LGBTQ people. <laughs> that discrimination. When I came out in the 70s, I was kicked around the place. I did lose jobs and family members. I was spat on. I was made to feel horrendous and freaky and had to really fight to overcome that. And I'm not having some young, privileged, straight woman use the identity of genderqueer to somehow get attention for herself and to be invited into a club where she gets nothing but attention and privilege when we know that we're at war still, despite the legislative changes, uh, you know, against the kind of oppression that we face on a daily basis. Well, what would you say to a lesbian, though, who then who says she's genderqueer? That happens a lot, too. A lot of gay sure. people say they're genderqueer or they're, you know, um, no gender or whatever. And these are gay people. And it's sure. that, that that confuses me. I'm like, I thought you were gay. And then it's like, I, oh, well, I don't know. I think they need to learn their history. I think they've got every single right, every right to identify as whatever they want. And if they'd rather use the term queer, I mean, I'd like to unpick that with them because it's gender neutral. It's often imposed by men um, <laughs> who, who lead these kind of little cliques. And often it's because the word lesbian never, ever gained respectability like gay lesbians still a dirty word and that's why we need to use it more but what i would do is i would invite myself into a conversation respectfully and say can we go can we actually have a talk about the history of this the political history of why we decided to say we were lesbians and not gay women of why we need to be visible and why if we have any kind of privilege whatsoever we need to come out publicly in order to support those that have less privilege than us so that they feel protected and supported. So I would just have respectful conversations and put it into a political and historical context. 
That's a good point. That's good. Yeah. I can try. I can try. Okay. <laughs> I can try. It's hard for me. I get hot headed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to, we wanted to find out about the, um, the 10 series podcast that you're doing about the sex trafficker guy. How, yeah. when are we going to be able to hear this? Well, you know, you can, uh, do you want me to play you a one minute teaser now? Please. Oh, we can play. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I'll do that now. And, um, you know, then that will give you a little clue. You could, you can hear it, can't you? Hang on a second. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that would love to. Christian missionary, a renowned academic, philanthropist, runs a number of charities. He's also a major charity fraudster, a child rapist, a baby trafficker, a pimp, a trafficker of women and girls. And easily the most dangerous man I have ever encountered in my almost 40 years of feminism. His temper was so foul and he was just so fast becoming so unpredictable. I just didn't trust him to let me go. He's in prison on an Al Capone conviction. He was given 12 years for major charity fraud. In fact, he he was running uh, street side Brussels in a very ruthless, brutal way. He had a perfect cover because he was invited all over the world to speak as an academic scholar, as an expert in migration studies. He pretended to be on our side, which means he fucking used us. He has literally slipped out of the net. You can't see him represent any of the characteristics that I would consider Christian. This is something that is really important because he hasn't been convicted of any crimes against women and girls. And he not only made money, profited from them financially, but he enjoyed abusing them at the same time. Oh, oh God. Oh. I mean, it's fa- I mean, it's disgusting, obviously, but it's fat. I mean, now how long did you spend? I have so, we have, there's just so many questions with it. But I know that you're working, are you still working on it? Is it done? Just technically speaking? Oh, it, no, it's no. not. It's okay. done. So I have uh, the pilot, um, which is almost ready to go. That's about 25 minutes, which broadly goes over the whole story about Dr. John Davies. And I've also, I'm just finishing an edit to go in the Sunday Times magazine here in the UK that tells, you know, a fraction of the story, but gives a taste of what this man did and got away with. So th- this is a, Um, more of an ongoing project because although he's in prison for charity fraud and there was an addition to that he was back in court from prison recently and convicted of firearms offenses from some weapons that were found when they raided his house back when they were looking at the charity fraud so he's in there for a long time and if i have anything to do with it he's not coming so davies um has left a number of victims women and girls all over the world, and I'm trying to track them down. I'm trying to to get the evidence together to hand over to the law enforcement in this country um, to hopefully get him back in court. Now, one of the, the, the interviewees that you heard in that short clip, the one who said he, his behaviour didn't seem anything like Christian to me, was one of the girls that, as adult women, took him to court in 2009 for historic child sexual abuse and rape and Josie as we call her in the uh, in the story she she's now 40 she she and her sister 
who were abused by him when they were six and eight, uh, met him when he was part of their church. In you know, it's a perfect cover. And um, this man at the time was in his twenties, and he was working in a children's hospital for learning disabled children. Oh my god! We can only imagine that that hospital since closed down because of endemic abuse. <sighs> This, this man was protected by the University of Sussex in that complaints were made about him when he was a PhD candidate by one of their new academics who incidentally went on to be a major trafficking denier and pro-prostitution apologist. But to be fair to this person, did actually go and report the, the suspicions, their suspicions to the university administration and they did nothing, nothing, nothing. And this man had the perfect cover of academia of the pro-sex work ideology that was supported by so many academics and the church and so his his crimes are we're talking about into the thousands no doubt and what I want to do by publishing this article and then finishing the podcast which is a huge technical mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah, we know. Talent, let's face it <laughs> isn't me right i'm 55 i can use an apple mac really well that is the extent (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. i never want to give up so so i've got some support doing this and as i say the pilot's almost ready to go and um you know our 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 national um tv and radio the bbc hopefully uh will will look at it kindly and decide to commission it Mm. as a one-off so either way this will this will happen and when when megan murphy who, as you you said earlier in your introduction, uh, runs Feminist Current. Mm -hmm. When when she said that she would run a piece about John Davies, because at the time I found out in 2016 that he'd been sent to prison on this charity fraud uh, thing, I said I wanted to tell the whole story. She gave it a platform because the national newspapers here didn't dare touch it because they were scared of, of libel threats. And I said, but I have proof. I have photographs. I have documents. I'm an investigative journalist. I've done my work. But they were concerned because what they didn't have was absolute proof in the in the guise of a conviction in court for his baby trafficking, for his trafficking of women and girls, for his pimping. But as we know, these men are rarely convicted of those crimes. So I gave it to Megan, which is a brilliant platform, and other people came forward. Mm. Other people contacted me, and they'd been Googling John Davis every now and again, these particular two women who I consider to be victims of him, and we have to keep them anonymous, but they've given me lots more leads and lots more information. So, you know, th- this this quest will continue. That's all I will say now, but you'll be the first to hear about it when I get <laughs> Oh yeah, please, please let us let us splash when you're ready to splash. But we're we're following in because we saw it on your website and we were really interested and we looked at the crowdfunding thing and so we just wanted to support and do whatever we could to get the word out for you on it and and we're also really interested in it too just to keep yeah. up with it. Uh, I really appreciate that because you know he he is I think endemic. He's a case study, isn't he, of of men who get away with this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. And time's up. Yeah, time's up. Reclaiming my time's up, motherfucker. 
right. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking to us. It was it really was truly an honor. You've been floating around our zeitgeist for over a year now. And if the, this godforsaken piece of shit <laughs> podcast has done anything, it's afforded us the opportunity to get to meet and learn from people like you. And for that, we're really, really grateful. That's right. That's right. And please tell our um, 14 listeners um, where they can find you and how they can contribute to your work. Well, you know, I am thejuliebindle.com and it's not, my website isn't thejuliebindle.com because I think I'm the Julie Bindle because <laughs> in the UK I am the only one, but it's because somebody already bought the domain juliebindle.com and it was actually one of the pro-sex trade lot that bought the domain uh, in order to uh, gather uh, horrible <laughs> stories about me. Oh my God. Wow. Thejuliebindle.com um, or they can find me on Twitter bindle j that's b-i-n-d-e-l and thank you so much for all of your work and for inviting me on your 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 show it's been fantastic oh my god no thank you so much and we'll see you we'll see you on the twitter sphere and um just someday someday we're gonna meet you'll see someday (laughs) look out take care (laughs) Bye. Bye. bye bye now it's time for gay guys and their feeling looking cute I'm feeling cute What you gotta do Boy, let me tell you You're gay It's okay It's a present from Jesus Every day You get to have sex Both ways People They're just jealous of you This is a segment we do every once in a while Called Gay Guys and Their Feelings This week, the gay guy with feelings is Shira Weiss. Shira is not a guy, and she's not gay yet, huh, JK? uh. But she is one of our original 14 listeners, and she's also subscribed to our, she's a subscriber to our Patreon (laughs) podcast. That's right. Subscribing to our Patreon has many benefits, and one of them, for the rich subscribers like Shira, is that you can leave us a gay guys and their feelings message. This is Shira's second time voicing her feelings, so that makes her a regular contributor to DGP. If this title appeals to you, join our Patreon, and you can become a regular contributor, too. Let's hear Shira's gay feelings. Okay. Hi, Julie and Brandy. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I'll just launch right into it. I will never watch another Woody Allen movie again. I have a shameful secret, though. I've enjoyed a handful of Woody Allen films over the years, and I've separated out the fact that he's a pedophile from who he is as an artist. That stops now. When I think about how many people ignored Harvey Weinstein's victims and how the credence of these accounts about Harvey were minimized, it reminds me that Woody Allen film fans are doing the same with Woody. I recently incurred some cyber harassment, all because I criticized a certain reality TV personality in my articles. The harassment entailed personal attacks and threats to contact my siblings. Now, thank God, Orthodox families have lots of kids, so good luck finding the right sibling to care. When I tried to make close friends and family aware of what was going on, the truth sounded stranger than fiction, and I worried, thinking, this is really bad, but who in the hell would believe me? Who would believe there's someone working for a celebrity who tweeted out a threat to me one Saturday night saying she has big plans to destroy me in 18 days? That was a scary night. And the 18 days have passed, but this was a recent scary chapter in my life. And as I conveyed to you on your show last time, anyone who writes gets to encounter the crazies on the internet. But I in no way compare myself to a Harvey Weinstein victim. I'm just saying this to say I did a lot of thinking and put myself in victim's shoes. 
People wouldn't believe me when I told them what I was going through with a cyber harassment. But can you imagine the level of disgust and shame that these women had as they continued to see Harvey produce movies and continue to succeed and thrive? Woody Allen preyed on his ex-wife's underage adopted daughter, and yes, they allegedly ran off into the happily ever after. But does that happily ever after negate the inappropriateness in the origin of Woody and Sunyi's story? The writer Gore Vidal once referred to this country as the United States of Amnesia. A filmmaker can be disgraced, but eventually we forget because of the incredible work that he produces. No more. A Hollywood insider recently told me he wouldn't be surprised if Weinstein has a new movie by 2030, if Weinstein does not face criminal charges for actual rape. That is a very sad thought. But A-listers continue working with Woody, and A-listers could sign on with Harvey. Harvey, if enough powerful people in the Weinstein camp create the right type of spin over the next decade. So, in summation, I will not be watching another Woody Allen film. Thank you, guys. I don't think Harvey Weinstein's going to make another movie. No, you don't think so? No. You think like he's going he's run out of town? I think time's up on that shit. Time's I mean, up. Yeah. I do agree. Like, who'd work with him? With the Gore Vidal thing of like, like what's that liar, Brian Williams? Like We do let right. people back in. What's that guy? Oh, who Chris went- Brown. Um, Nate, I mean, I could Roman yeah. Polanski, um, Jeremy Piven. I don't know. Yeah. And also, the, she raises an interesting point. So my mom actually sent me an email the other day saying that I needed to go watch this rabbi's sermon online. And okay. I was like, okay, <clears throat> why? She's Korean and a lesbian and she's Jewish and she's a rabbi. Ooh. So I was like, well, okay. So I watched her sermon and basically... Was she hot? Uh, uh. <laughs> she, you know, she's a rabbi. All right. So she, she, she basically divulged and I didn't know this. So for any of the Jews out there, a lot of the, many of the melodies that Jews sing in temple and stuff you know like uh-huh. like all a lot of these songs uh-huh. were created by one particular guy well this one particular guy apparently and had been known within the community for years had molested and sexually assaulted like hundreds of girls uh. so the the community ignored it yeah, and they when continue was this, to like sing. Million years this ago? is like not no. I mean the the he's, his children are alive. So well, how long have you guys had these songs? They sound so old and daisy. They do well. They <laughs> well the the prayers and stuff are old and daisy, but the melodies they keep getting like sort of like regenerated. Like when you say <laughs> that whole thing. <laughs> kind of yeah yeah. So that one that you guys sing, like when you do your mom singing and you yeah. Those. So what? But so then she gave this whole thing about. We've been, but we've been singing these songs, and we've been ignoring what he did, and people knew it, and we. But we <laughs> See, times up, we, and she was like, "So, how do you? Can we?" And she talked about Harvey Weinstein, and she talked about this whole enabling society that we live in, and that we've enabled it, and we pick and choose who we're gonna let be the assaulter because we like their art or whatever, and people's art, and it's complicated, and people comment, blah, blah, blah. so it was like a whole thing. So it sort of speaks to what Shira was talking about because, for like, for example, Woody Allen isn't necessarily the same as Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein probably did actually rape people. Now, did Woody Allen, could you say well, that... Well, his daughter said she molested him, not Sunyi or whatever. Oh, right, the other one. Was. Oh, that's yeah. right. So, 
if you need to pick and choose and Harvey Weinstein's your bar and that's like, well, I guess, okay, or whatever. And no, Woody nobody Allen should be seeing Woody Allen's fucking no, shit. No, I agree with disgusting. you. And you know what, Shira? Good. Don't. And by the way, and, and it's pretty convenient because his movies suck now. His and movies the, are terrible. Yeah, so it's like, you're really missing out on nothing. But I mean, I remember my very like earliest memories of Rosie O'Donnell and I mean I've been loving that bitch since she you was have, on VH1 you have you have was like her stand-up special where she was like um pedophile it's a word look it up and me and my mom <laughs> would say it all the time we we're obsessed and it was about Woody Allen oh yeah and it was like she was not fucking scared and it's like and he's such a weirdo anyway on the he sets is. of his movies everybody said it and it's like oh Louis CK you went and did one of his movies you want did you whip your dick out and jerk off in front of him <laughs> I mean like I know this we would not and did not let any of Chris Brown's music come into our eardrums, period, after what happened with Rihanna. Me and you did not. It didn't, no. If it was on the radio, nope. it didn't matter. We never listened to it one I will more never time. listen to another we Chris Brown song. We hated Woody Allen. I fucking I hate Roman hate. Polanski yep. and his quaalude popping, yep. fucking ass-raping, yep. disgusting yep. self. Yep, yep. I don't give anyone a pass, and I don't care about their fucking art. No, well, <laughs> obviously me neither. But sometimes we just, we don't even know. We don't, we don't know. And I, for me particularly, I know in my heart that probably 90% of the men <laughs> that I might, music I might listen to or yeah. art I might like, I know have been sexual, at the very least sexual coercers. We know it's true. Yeah. yeah. So and I don't like that. I think that's disgusting. So now. What the rabbi said and what I thought what they did was cool was that they're stopping doing his melodies. Good. They're going to at least they're going to put a moratorium on it for at least a year period. And then they're going to they're going to try and think of new whatever. But she said, we're going to stop. <laughs> we're not going to do it. We can't, you know, blah, blah. Good. So I thought that was cool. But yeah, like, fuck Woody Allen. Good for you, Shira. I hate Woody Allen. I hate it. And I don't like any of his movies. I hate it. I don't guts. even Annie Hall. Like, I know. Everyone he's always been sexist. He's always been a piece of shit. He's who would ever even get with him? Awful. Stop All right. it. So Shira, thank you for your message. It went right along with the theme of this week's episode. And um, now it's time for So There's That. All right, so this is the part of the show where Julie has to find us. So there is that moment that's happening because of or in spite of the hideous political climate right now. <laughs> and since this has been a very lady centric episode, I hope Meow Meow went ahead and kept with the theme. You know, it's my favorite theme. I know. I think it just comes naturally to you. I, I think it does. OK, this so there's that I saw on Twitter by a listener named Laura Edwards. Hi, Laura. Oh, yeah, I know her. So thank you, Laura. I love this story. So in case you didn't know, and I didn't know until I read it online, and because I read it online, I know it's true. And this is a quick and breezy little, so there's that. I thought it was Laura Edwards' lastner. I don't know why, but I thought she had a oh. hyphenated name. Well, anyway, okay. continue on. I wouldn't put it past you to get the name wrong. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um... Okay, so here's the story. <clears throat> so apparently, uh, Trump called the Guggenheim Museum and asked to borrow a Van Gogh painting to hang in the White House. Uh, this is a very normal occurrence um, in, for presidents of past and future. And museums are and, and do lend paintings and artwork for the White House as it's considered a pretty big honor. Well, the curator of the mu museum, her name is Nancy Spector. Okay? <laughs> okay. Nancy Spector. All right, Nancy. Nancy uh, let Donald Trump know 
that they're not going to be able to lend him any paintings. Because, like, they have this exhibit and they're just, like, really can't let any paintings go at the Guggenheim. They just what, can't let any go. What painting he wanted? Okay. He wanted a, va- he wanted, yeah, they, well, it's a Van Gogh, probably Starry Night or something. Say, but, you know, that I mean? is in New York. Remember, we looked it up when you and yes, I were like, it's probably something, it's got to be something. I think like we that. were in Vegas when I was like, I got to find out where Starry Night And Bray was probably Melania, who's like, the one thing I want, Donald, <laughs> is Van Gogh in the house for me and Baron to look at. So, um, so, he asked, she said, sorry, we have this exhibit going on. We can't let the painting go. Then the, now throughout the whole campaign and during this, you know, when Trump got into the White House, the Guggenheim Twitter had sent out some anti-Trump tweets. The Guggenheim Museum had been pretty anti-Trump. So not to say that Nancy was sending out those tweets, right. but somebody at Nancy's. the Guggenheim <laughs> was sending out tweets that were not pro-Trump. So she's like, turns out, sweetie, I'm not in charge of the social media. I've got bigger <laughs> fish to fry. Okay. Right. So Nancy wasn't going to let her personal feelings overtake her. She just needed to keep with the Guggenheim, you know, whatever the Guggenheim was doing and whatever their art stuff. Now, now, but because it's the White House, um, the Guggenheim does have tons of other art. And tons of available listen, shitty fucking art that you can art. Do you want a yeah. bust of someone you've never seen that's just oatmeal color and yes, not interesting yes. at all? You may have that. You, there's a box with a red line through yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Beautiful. Twenty five million dollars. So they couldn't fulfill the Van Gogh request, but she did offer another piece of work, <laughs> <laughs> which was a full gold toilet. Oh, that's right. Okay. That's so right. Nancy now released now Nancy me. released her email and wrote the following. We are sorry not to be able to accommodate your original request, but remain hopeful that this special offer may be of interest. I think it's even better, quite frankly. The 18 carat fully functional toilet was used as a temporary interactive exhibit in one of the museum's bathrooms. The piece Ew! the piece was titled America. It has been <laughs> described as satire mocking excessive wealth. Perfect for him. Spectre wrote in her email that the artist who created the toilet, Maurizio Catalan, quote, would like to offer it to the White House for a long-term loan. Catalan in the past described the toilet as, quote, 1% art for the 99% and said, whatever you eat, a $200 lunch or a $2 hot dog, the results are the same toilet-wise. The White House never responded. (laughs) So there's that. Well, that's it for this episode of Dumb Gay Politics. Hey, time's up for this episode. Reclaiming my time's up. (laughs) Reclaiming my time's up. Thank you guys for listening. We love you all so much and are so grateful for all 14 of you. Please send us messages on Twitter and Facebook. We read them all. We love hearing from you. We do. We do. If you haven't already, please sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics. We sat and watched the whole Grammys, which is something we've never done, so we could talk shit about it on the Patreon. That's how deep our dedication goes. All it costs is $1 an episode. That's right. And we're even going to start watching Big Brother. Yeah. So that's... That's going to be fun. Yeah. Um... Last week, we played Halsey's speech from the Women's March at the end of the show. And this week, I was going to do Viola Davis's speech from the Women's March. But 
It's 10 minutes long and I feel like this episode's gone over <laughs> too much and Belle's going to be spitzing and fucking mm. Britain and all of the producers mm-hmm, so they're mm-hmm. going to be like no so and eh. if you'd like to see me live you can come see me in New York February 2nd at the Lori Beachman Theater with Brad Lokley and then again February 3rd at uh, the Raz Room in New Hope Pennsylvania also with Brad and then February 6th at Gotham Comedy Club for the PS something something school fundraiser I can't remember but that's at Gotham Comedy Club um, February 6th okay and as always, it's been real and it's been fun. But mostly it's been gay and it's been dumb. And Julie Bindle, bitch. Julie Bindle. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm. Uh-huh. It's all shit. It's all just dumb gay politics. America has gotten kind of whack, but we're not going to let it go down like that because we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit. It's all shit. Ooh, it's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit, uh, uh, this shit is bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S, this shit is Trumpanas, T-R-U-M-P-A-N-A-N-A-S, what?